June 29th, 2011, the London Film School welcomes director Alexandra McGuinness, producer Mark Lee, and cinematographer Gareth Munden for a preview screening of Lotus Eaters, followed by a Q&A with cast members from the film. All three of the filmmakers are LFS graduates, and the event was chaired by Margaret Glover. Hi, I'm Jay Choi. I played Lulu. I'm Gareth Munden. I'm the director of photography. Mark Lee, producer. Alexandra McGuinness, director. Uh, Alex Windham, I played Molly. Cynthia Fortune Ryan, owner. Uh, I'm Anderson, I play Susie. And Gina Banhan, I play Bella. I think um, I'm, we'll open it out to the floor, but I have all sorts of. I've been saving up my questions, and I, I think I'd like to, because we are in the context of the London Film School, I'd like to have you do a very quick sort of take us through the journey of, you know, you, you did a graduation film, which you shot in Dublin with Mark producing, and you'd already been thinking about this at that time, hadn't you? Or was it? Um, not really. I mean, this came together very quickly, but Mark and I had always worked together um, throughout our time at the school. Um, I didn't know Gareth um, when we were at the school, but um, Mark and I had, um, had, I think, since second term, always worked together um, in different capacities. I think something that's really great about the school is that you, um, you have to work uh, in in so many roles, um, and it and it um, and I find that really useful uh, making this film because it it um, it kind of educates you in working with the different departments because um, you you know how they work to a certain degree, and whereas you don't have to get involved in it in such a degree, you know you know how it works. But um, but yeah, we'd, we'd always worked together, and then um, and we worked on each other's graduation films, um, and then um, we wanted to keep that momentum going. Um, as soon as we left the school, we graduated in like this time two years ago, um, and so this project came together really quickly. And the script was written and rewritten. Um, really quickly and then the finance was raised even still while we were beginning to cast and shoot and um, and uh, then yeah so I mean we, we pretty much just I mean I, I sort of told Mark that he was producing it and he kind of went with it and we um, we just kind of continued yeah, I mean, that really worked to our uh, advantage, really, because um, we didn't really have time to think about things too deeply, um, and, and we didn't. Uh, we just, it was all about just moving forward and, and doing the next thing, whatever that was, and uh, it was helped by um, certain deadlines that we set for ourselves. Um, we set a shoot date. And we shoot a shoot date uh, to, to match, you know, like, festival deadlines and so on, and we just... Um, and we just didn't really think twice about it. Just, just you know. I think in the beginning, um, Gareth actually got in touch with me um, when he. Wh why did you get in touch with me? <laughs> <laughs> he saw your graduation film. So fantastic! But I, at, at one stage, I wanted to have like five DPs on the film and shoot it over a much longer period yeah. of time and in like black and white and color and. 
he wanted to do the black and white section. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then, and we got on really well, and so I just said, well, why don't you just shoot the, the whole film? And one of the, where does the story come from? Because I think that's a fascinating <coughs> thing for us to think about. You know, you start, what did you start with? What was the raw, the first raw material for you? Um, I think the raw material was just like, the first draft of the script was just lots of people just sitting around just talking and um, it didn't have a structure so much. It was lots of people just sitting around in cafes or at parties just um, just talking and I, I had a co-writer who I'd worked with before and he said, well, that's kind of fine but let, <laughs> let's put in at least some structure into it. Let's kind of develop the relationships a, a, a bit more and so um, and I really enjoyed working with him as well on that. But um, I mean, there's not. It's. I think it's less a, a narrative film. It's a more of a, a mood piece and about the characters really. And so um, it's, sti it's still a lot of people just sitting around <laughs> talking <laughs> and <laughs> like parties. Is there any significance <laughs> to the fact that you've named your central character Alice? Um, yeah, I think at some point I was look, uh, when I was first writing the first draft, I was definitely looking at Alice in Wonderland to a certain degree, but um, that disappeared. <laughs> I think with the but yeah, at the, at the beginning, yeah, mm -hmm. there's there's those characters who kind of link into the Alice in Wonderland yes. story as well, and I think if you look certainly Orna, yeah, and Charlie, and yeah, they, they, yeah, they kind of fit into those archetypes, I yes. suppose, yeah. And Mark, in the development process, how, how often did you see the scripts and the material that, that Alexandra and her co-writer were generating? Actually, I was, I first read, uh, like, a really, really rough first draft, um, like, way back when, when it was kind of, you know, uh, hammered out overnight, really, because actually, we were trying to go for the uh, the UK Film Council's microwave scheme. Um, Film London. Film yeah. London, yeah, exactly. Um, which uh, we've, I mean, and, and Alex just just cranked out a, a script like overnight just, just to make that deadline. Um, and we actually got pretty far. We were shortlisted for that. And then it was kind of dormant. We didn't do anything, she didn't do anything to it. I didn't do anything to it. And then six months later, it kind of resurfaced uh, as like a proper feature film. Um, and as I was saying earlier, from that point on, things just really were quick. And we did, I mean, I, basically, I just set deadlines for everything. And I think, what did we say, like six weeks maximum for a rewrite? And, and, and three we, weeks, yeah. three, three weeks, and then we kept increasing it. But I, I was watching it all throughout, actually. And I, I made some yeah, uh, comments, and we, we did work on it together. Yeah, Mark would give me notes, like, yeah, exactly. overnight. And just, yeah. I mean, every, every time we did. And also, I was rewriting... Um, which was probably tricky for the actors, um, like before set, like we'd I'd rewrite every night before we get to set as well, like the scenes where we were about to do. Because I think when you cast as well, you find that it doesn't, some things don't work with, the characters change a lot. And also we, I mean, there's, there was a lot of, um, there was, I mean, there was a lot of improvisation as well around the scenes or we'd, We'd just we'd often just leave the camera rolling and see what they came up with. And some people were more comfortable with improvisation than others, or they just or improvising around the scenes. That was actually leads directly onto my next question, which is, 
what was the casting process for you? Because you had such a limited pre-production time. Were you drawing from people that you'd already worked with, that you knew from other contexts? How did it work? It was a combination of those things. I mean, we, we, one thing we definitely did do was uh, cherry pick from Rada. <laughs> and we have people here from, from there. Um, but also people we knew. Um, and uh, because actually the casting is quite specific for this film, I mean, there wasn't like a huge range of people mm -hmm. we could pick from. You know, it was very kind of specific. So, um, and because actually um, Alexandra had, you know, a lot of experience with, with casting and, and with the, uh, the talent there was pool. Like, yeah, there was Antonia I'd known for a long time who plays Alice. And then there were certain agents who I knew who sent people to me and then there was like people we found from YouTube and people who were in bands Johnny. or like yeah that's where like that's where Johnny came from he yeah. plays Charlie like someone showed me a YouTube clip of him and like singing with Laura Marling and I was like oh yeah he's really great and um, then yeah and, and then it was like people who'd like come in the last couple classes from drama schools we saw everybody I think from like I'd look, I'd look at the headshots from the last mm. couple of years of drama schools and see those people and then um yeah some agents who i knew would send me people and then uh some friends and um that kind of thing yeah but for the for the actors what was i mean what was your first impression of this this story world and these characters that you were going to enter <laughs> what drew you to the project any of you um <laughs> uh, well um <laughs> My agent, I think, knew Alexandra, so I sort of just went in and uh, she just handed me the script. I think I read it the night before. And I was sort of like, um, yeah, I mean, the script was, was, um, was really interesting. It was sort of just, just nihilistic and a bunch of rich young kids um, sort of losing their way. I didn't have any preconceptions about it. Um, um, but I had no idea how, how I suppose it was going to was gonna turn out. I've literally, this is the first time I've seen it, so just talking about the beginning, the, the genesis of it is, is a bit crazy. Yeah, I mean, it was just... Yeah, just one missing. And Orna, <laughs> Orna is such a larger-than-life character. Well, I'd worked with Alex on her graduation film, and she called me in to audition actually for Saskia, but I read the script and I said, like, oh, Saskia. But actually, I just really want to play Orna because obviously it's really fun. Yes. And... Um, so I went in and insisted. I actually went in as Orna. <laughs> and completely... Scared the hell out of our scared. PA, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bully beat my way into being Orna. <laughs> it was that sense of, of seeing you on screen, that feeling of, why is this face familiar? But then just that transformation was, was wonderful. Putting the finance together... I mean, because the music plays such an enormous <coughs> part in this film, where the bands and, and the tone that, that each of those individual bands would bring was that part of, in a sense, building your story world and building the sense of the atmosphere before you even started negotiating rights. Uh, well, the, the great advantage of working with Alexandra is she has just, first of all, a vast knowledge of music, uh, current and, and past and so on. So any, any film that she works on is going to have this incredible music element. So I cannot take credit for any of this. Um, and w the best thing about that, financially speaking, is that she's aware of the latest up-and-coming unsigned bands or people who are just coming up. 
that we could sign um, because they're not even, you know, they're, they're not out there yet, so they're happy to work with us. Um, so, you know, there were a few bands like that, certainly. Um, so, you know, that, but all that kind of came together later, during, mostly during the post phase. So that, so, that the, so that the music, these bands were not part of your thinking in the development of Freedom. Oh, the, well, the bands in the film, in, in sure. The film, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and that was, we kind of cast them as well, because they're, I mean, like, the, the band that's in Bella's party is, like, that's a much more kind of fun, sort of mm. electronic feeling, but, like, Oh Children, who's in the gallery scene where... Marlon analysis is a sort of much darker gothic thing that that's sort of part of the art mm. but in post we were yeah I was choosing the music and you know we couldn't I had other choices of music that um, I think we went through three tracks for the opening horse sequence mm. like up to the very last day before the sand mix a, a track fell out that we had to replace for um, for rights reasons, so I mean, there was. I think that was the trickiest slot to fill. So, but we have like we have existing like really well-known tracks in there, but and Mark managed to clear those. So, it's. Um, I mean, the, yeah, the music was really tricky, and for the release as well. Now we're coming up it again. I mean, we've it's cleared for festivals, and now it's going to be tricky again now for, for commercial release. Yeah, yeah it's going to, but it's. Um, so far, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of music in there, and it, and a lot of them are unsigned, and then there's, like, there's Ray Charles is in there, you know, and the <laughs> Jay Giles, Jay Giles band, band yeah. and it kind of, those ones are the trickier ones, but everyone, I think, what what's it called? The Favourite Nations. Yes. <laughs> the Favourite Nations. Yes. Yes. yes, a very useful clause that you can explain yeah. to more of the producer. That's, that's what it's yeah. under. That, that, so they're all close the same, yeah. <laughs> and, Gareth, I'm curious, what were the references that you had in mind and discussed with Alexandra in, in the lead-up to, to the shoot? Well, the first thing that both Alex and Mark said to me is not film noir. That was the, thing, the, the main thing, which kind of suited me because... My background was in like advertising, like photography, and doing a lot of black and white and black and white printing, so I knew black and white really well. And we was looking at fashion photography, really, mm. and perfume commercials and kind of pretty stuff and kind of clean stuff, not the kind of dark, moody that you'd expect in black and white, mm. which I think kind of suits the tone of the film. So that was the, yeah, like Peter Lindbergh, a Helmut mm. Newton, those kind of, that kind of freedom sort of photography as well. It's very clean, but free at the same time. Yeah, kind of music videos and yeah, sort of pop like videos and <laughs> things. Very shallow. Things that look really nice. Things that look like really pretty and like. You know. Yeah, we like pretty stuff, don't we? Yeah. Yes. Great. <laughs> right. Open it up to the floor for questions from people. Yes. Um, I was just curious, how much money did you spend making the film? Uh, well, we're well, because we have such a varied audience and people from Royal Holloway as well as LFS. It'd be really useful if you could just identify who you are and whether you're just somebody from a friend of LFS or if you're from the Royal Holloway or a student at LFS as a means of identifying yourself. Sorry to interrupt. Oh, uh, no, sorry. I'm an actress and a writer, but I'm a friend of um, LFS. Uh, we're actually still going through our books, so um, like a full final cost report has, has, has yet to be produced, but... 
uh, I'm working on it. Um, but um, basically, we're between a micro budget and a low budget. Put it that way. What does that mean? <laughs> a micro budget film would be like uh, like like the microwave scheme. Like a hundred thousand would be a micro budget film, uh, and we we couldn't possibly make this for a hundred. So, um, like a low budget film is anywhere between let's say two and a half to to five would be, you know, considered a low budget film. So uh, we're sort of right in between those two. So was that mainly from, like, you got from raising, like, because I saw you sponsored by... It, it came through a variety of ways. Um, uh, I think Alexander started the whole thing off with, um, I guess, what, what they call crowdsourcing, which is really on our website. We had this kind of, you know, invest in our film, you know, and then different tiered levels where, depending on how much you invest, you get different benefits, you know, kind of like Kickstarter, <laughs> except on a bigger scale. Um, so there was a bit of that there was a bit of private equity that came in through that there's also uh the irish film board which uh you guys have seen the logos um we were lucky enough to um you know get uh one of their you know funding gigs and they uh they funded about a third of the film um and then of course uh the rest came from loans and you know things like that and there's the uk tax credit and the uk tax credit as well yeah oh was everyone paid did you pay everyone on the film yeah I mean, no, no, they they didn't live in the lap of luxury. But I mean, you sign a clause that if the film but then makes money, you then get paid, sort of thing. No, no, no. I mean, no, no. I no, mean, no. well, <laughs> 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 no, no, no. I mean, I mean, basically, everybody knew what they were yeah. in for. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, and it was it was you know um, it was a you know America budget film, and um, basically we you know from LFS we're used to paying expenses, you know, and and so. You know, uh, that's kind of the mentality we push forward, saying, "Okay, this is really a passion project, and, and we really need to, you know, everybody." I mean, and and even then, because you know, it actually was a pretty massive project in the end. You know, we ended up having about, I don't know, sixty, sixty-five people on the payroll. Um, you know, it, it just grows. You know, that's the thing. So um, every little bit counts, basically, and you got to put those steps in very, very early on yeah. to make sure it doesn't go crazy. Thank you. Other questions. Why did you choose to uh, shoot in uh, black and white? I understand the reference f from fashion, but there are lots of fashion in color as well. Yeah, it was um, it was a choice from kind of script stage, and then um, when I wanted it to, I thought that it gave a kind of instant um, distance from the characters. I think from that first scene, you're, and I think. Um, you're kind of observing them, but the point of view changes from Alice. Sometimes you're with her, and then sometimes you're observing her, but the black and white sort of instantly gave a little distance. So, And I also wanted to see a contemporary London in, in black and white and have that sort of clean look and not that noir thing. And it, I, was, I was also taking a lot of black and white photographs when I was writing the first draft and it just kind of stuck from there. Okay. Other questions? I have a question for the other three actresses that you play quite facile characters um, in the film and I was wondering how, what, how you tried to round out the characters a bit and 
give them some depth or so that the so that the um, audience might care about them? I don't know. Did we make you care about yes. them? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. From my point of view, I didn't think she was that facile. I mean, I I can see that she's naive and innocent, but I thought I thought Bella had some some insights into into the others and mm -hmm. saw perhaps that she she didn't think Benedict had interfered with Orna and she saw people for how they actually were. I that's how I so I that's what I gave her, I hope. I think Susie was the most normal out of all the characters. <laughs> I mean, she's not from that group, really. She's just in it because of Felix, and her whole world is Felix, I think. So um, I hope I made her believable. But I, uh, I think for me it was just developing that relationship with Felix and getting that depth, because where the film comes in, it's kind of like two years into their relationship already. So what really helped actually was in the rehearsal time we had when Alex kind of got us into our key relationships. And we did loads of improvisation and just kind of playing around on like the first date and you know when we met and when he asked her out and all that kind of stuff. And it really helped because it meant that by the time we got to filming it was just so kind of fluid. And like, but yeah, I hope that, I hope that it came across. <laughs> Um, my character, I thought she was quite desperate and insecure and thoughts would just go doo -doo 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 in her head and she would just like spew them out. And I think that came from um, her, I thought that came from her desperation and her need to have a grounding but not really having one and not knowing where to find it from. So I think that's where I found my character. No, I'm surprised. Simon. <laughs> well done, uh, and uh, the production team. Uh, you said that you wanted to shoot in black and white and color. So I've got two questions one for you, and um, obviously for Gareth in, in, in the decision making in why you decided to go for black and white only. And also um, the, the whole approach in terms of um, shooting on 16 mil. And then you scan everything and uh, produce it digitally internet. Sorry? So for the question for you is about what, what made the what um, why did you change your mind about going strictly with black and white or with color and black and white? Um, well, we shot on a mixture of 16mm um, and digital. Oh, right. um, and we always had like two cameras going at the same time. Uh, Mostly. Mm, almost yeah. mostly, yeah. Yeah, uh, sometimes three. And, um, sometimes five. Sometimes five. <laughs> <laughs> and during the music sequences. Um, and um, it was, I, I think, when, when w the first idea of the film was to have it more as an episodic thing and that, and that, we'd f that Alice wouldn't necessarily be the main character, but that her story would be in black and white and that there would be other characters followed and they'd have very different look and that there would be like a um, you know a color story and a black and white story but th as the script developed it became kind of her story and that was the one that ended up being made so um, 
and that was always going to be a 16 millimeter black and white. It was shot in, on color stock, yeah. um, yeah. and then, but I never never watched the rushes. Um, in color. In <coughs> color. I refuse to watch them in color. And, and I mean, and yeah, and so the digital. I mean, we'd see that in color quite a lot, but um, that looked weird, and it was always lit for black and white. Yeah. Mm. So, and how do you, because it looks, you can't really tell very much in terms of the, the changes between digital and film. Yeah, It's well actually the marrying of the two yeah. formats is, is, is quite it's, well done. I mean, it's, there's some whole scenes that are, that are digital. The daytime, a lot of the time, yeah, a lot is of day exteriors. A lot of the day exteri exteriors are digital, and um, the nighttime is mostly, um, film. and all the party scenes are film. It's like a 70 film, it's 30 yeah. digital. But all the shot, any ratio. shots that are digital and film back to back, some of those have been through. Yeah, they've been through relativity. relativity. So. so actually, it probably would have been much cheaper to shoot the whole thing on film. Yeah. But. <laughs> It, yeah. Uh, yeah, but it um, but actually, I like the look of the digital and film yeah. mixing, and I wanted to have that. That uh, just that one last question. Mix. Yeah, uh, the do you have to do a lot of or what? What kind of testing do you do? Do you um, do with the lighting and the, we the stock? We tested stock. We tested because um, we from the start. We were, black and white was kind of where we were going to go, so we tested black and white stocks. But we also tested color stocks because you know I, I knew we were going for a DI, so you know we could go to black and white afterwards. And we found that the, the the Fuji color stocks were much better in black and white than the Kodak mm. black and white stocks because those stocks are probably twenty five years old, they haven't been changed. Where the Fuji stocks are, are much less grain, much more shadow detail than the. So we went through that process, went through the whole process of scanning and seeing it in you know black and white, and we also tested the red of the 5D yeah, as well yeah. and found that the red wasn't as nice in black and white. I don't know why, but it just didn't look as nice. So we went with 5D. 5D? Yeah, which looks nicer. I mean, you know, it's a hard camera to work with in post and stuff. It's not easy. Yeah, but it picks up the darks. Yeah, it likes the shadow detail. And for some reason, it just looks very... The, the, the whites and the black and white are really smooth, which they weren't really in the red. They kind of they were a bit jarring. So. It's also, I mean, 5D would be much more in keeping with if your origin is fashion photography, yeah. you are much, much closer. Yeah, well, when to all, the, I mean, the band stuff, that was when we had, like, you know, there was the A camera on film, and then I was operating, and then we had a, uh, Jake Gavin, the B camera operator, we would, you know, be able to move around the band mm. with the 5D because it's so small, you know, we get really close and get angles you wouldn't be able to do. Well, red's really, really heavy. It was kind of a nightmare in post. Yeah, that's the, yeah. Yeah, it's not easy. There's the no time code, etc. There's no yeah. codex, and but yeah, I mean, this is the kind of stuff that yeah you hear about, but um, until you go through it, you, you don't really understand just how much of a pain it really is yeah. and what you actually have to do to make it work. And yeah. it was one of those situations. But yeah. it's I mean, you must. I mean, your post process was extraordinarily fast, even without dealing with all those those elements. No, it was like <laughs> seven months of like. Yeah. I mean, but it's still. I mean, like it was. It was a lot longer than the. Well, than I mean, planned. but well, uh, well, but <laughs> to be fair, though, that was. The post is not bad at all. Yeah, and, and to be fair, but most of that was editing. The rest editing, of our yeah. schedule was so quick. Yeah. That's that true. I was yeah. like. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's but going uh, on? we we did our posts here in Soho and uh, Deluxe One Forty Two. They used to be known as uh, Ascent One Forty Two, other Deluxe. And during while we were doing our posts, they like changed. 
Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So they, um, and they were just incredibly helpful. Um, not not only during the process, but uh, they just were very supportive from the start, and um, you know, gave basically just gave us an incredible deal um, all around. Um, but also, in a sense, you all, in a way, were guinea pigs because you were doing something <coughs> that other people weren't doing. And I think it's, I mean, I think that that's an important thing for you all who are starting out is to, you know develop those relationships because yeah. you know the post houses themselves and other people are in the process of <coughs> discovering and you know that you can create those those partnerships <coughs> and that sense of you know I think Mark you said you know you, you set the date almost as if you were a broadcaster and saying okay we have a transmission date because the transmission date is the festival and then working backwards it's absolutely from there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I just want to say I really enjoyed this. I thought it was really great. Um, <coughs> just wanted to ask you about actual uh, your approach to editing because um, I, I found it really playful and um, quite well put together. But I know it's also you have two editors. Is that worth it? Yeah. Um, I worked with an editor in in London for the first um, part of the um, of the edit, um, and he had a really strong. Um, way of dealing with the, the music sequences and um, the and like a real energy with with the piece but and then we worked like for a longer period of time and he had to move on to another project and so and then um, and then we moved the edit to Ireland um, and he worked with this woman Emma Reynolds who edited like I went down and like quite a lot of Irish movies and um, and then and she had a very strong narrative kind of thing mm. and she kind of really brought the project together and I think the film really benefited from working with the two of them and I don't think it would have worked if I hadn't worked with both of them mm. um, on it and I mean I don't know if they would agree <laughs> necessarily but I would definitely uh, agree with that yeah. but I think I'm like I think um I think they really complimented each other. They've never met. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, yeah, I think it was... The, and it was a real headache then to... Because of the different um, formats and everything, then to transport the entire edit like from the UK to Ireland. But, but it was... Yeah, I found it really helpful just because we'd been editing for quite a long period of time then to, to, to transport it, get a fresh pair of eyes and... Um, and then um, we took a lot from the first part of the edit, and then and just worked on top of what we'd already done, really. And uh, and we just kept. I mean, at one stage we had like a we shot a lot because we had these multi cameras, and there was a lot more written as well. But we just kept kind of, we chopped a lot out of it. You know, so we just kept making it shorter and faster, and I think it's better for that. I'm conscious of three more questions, and then I'm conscious of how warm it is in here, and yeah. we have prepared drinks upstairs, so we can move okay. to drinks in more informal settings. So, but I will. If there are questions that people feel they need to ask in this space, it'd be good if we like get some cast questions yes. as well. Steve, <coughs> well, this is more of a director's question, I guess. But it's about the improvisation. Yeah, um, that's cast. Yeah. Um, I'm curious how much of that made into this film, and with a particular areas or scenes where you found it most useful to have 
Um, I think the the um, there are definitely scenes that were like um, scripted that had to kind of stay um, as they were, but I can't necessarily think of one off the top of my head. But there are scenes like, um, but all the party scenes would um, would kind of open it up, and there were certain characters that would certain actors who just worked very well together. I mean, like you and then Tony, that whole, when you're walking down oh, together, yeah. Like yeah, that, yeah. that was just like, I'd heard you guys talking, talking, talking rubbish in, in makeup. And I was like, yeah. oh, you were just tired and cold. Yeah. So I was like, oh, just say what you're yeah. talking about. Yeah, I mean, that, that was the great thing about uh, Alexandra's uh, direction was the fact that it was very, um, it was loose which enabled you to, uh, to sort of be reactive. <laughs> Loose in terms of, direct- <laughs> in terms of directing actors, um, pin sharp in terms of editing and creating a movie. But, um, but yeah, in terms of, of being an actor on the set, um, it was relaxed, which meant you felt sort of confident, which means you could offer a certain kind of truth um, and, and be reactive. Um, and just watching it now and seeing what, what you, 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 you made out of it. Because obviously at the time you think, well, this feels fun, this feels real as an actor, this is exciting, but who knows whether it's going to make any kind of sense or, or land necessarily with the, uh, with the audience. But now I see what you've done, and personally <laughs> I think it works amazingly. And that, and that kind of loose, relaxed, improvised, sometimes sort of you know, messy and mumbled dialogue, I think it works really, really well, really well. Is mm. the, out of curiosity, the scene in which um, horrible crimes of the French trip are discussed. Was that something that, that they improvised themselves? No, actually, that's completely scripted, yeah. actually. That's yeah. all scripted. That's, that's yeah. like, as, it, as is. That, and that was just about getting it really, really quick and just um, playing it, I think, really as quick as they could get it. And um, it wanted it to be, like, sort of like the crucible, almost. Mm. It was trying to get it, like, sort of just so they were all, like, really working each other into, like, a mm. frenzy. And that, that was quite a few weeks into it as well so I think yeah. we'd all sort of relaxed a lot with our characters and yeah we could inhabit them much easier. The clarity of each of your voices in that scene is, is incredibly strong. You know, I really felt as though I was inside each of you in that moment making decisions about how you were going to play this opportunity. Um, other questions? Someone at the back, yes. Excellent movie but my question is for last part uh, what was the thought behind the horse death? <laughs> <laughs> behind the d- dead horse? Yeah. Um, well, it, I think it, it allows, because when, um, when Charlie dies, um, Alice doesn't grieve properly for him, I think, at the time, because she's sort of numb. And so it, it allows her to properly grieve for him but I think there's also I mean I think there's lots of things and I think it's sort of audience open really to the audience I also think it's got sort of well, I mean, supernatural uh, things for me uh, exactly <laughs> or just uh, yeah. sort of on a more allegorical level I mean it's yeah. just this idea of um, stunted forward movement or, or the death of forward movement which I mean essentially they're all going around in circles anyway isn't it and, and Alice is trying to get out and trying to do something different, trying to feel something real. But, you know, that's, that's, so I mean, that's one way to look at it. I'm not giving you an interpretation. Um, But, you know, and also with the book ending, you know, with the beginning of the film and with the horse. Yeah, it's a kind of cyclical thing. Yeah, exactly. 
Great. Well, I think I will encourage everyone to go upstairs, and I'll ask LFS people to lead the way. We're in Studio A so that there's room and there are drinks. But thank you all so much. This podcast is brought to you by the London Film School, a skill set partner.